It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Sox fans, guess what? It's the Carmel Apple Salad Podcast. Number 95. No, we haven't had 95 of those, but who knows? This season <laughs> could drive us all. Uh, okay, it's Podcast 95. My name is Brett Valentini. Hello. So happy you joined us. Let's talk about the White Sox, the Chicago White Sox. We've got a pretty big group of podcast participants, and not all of you are watching. Oh, in fact, very few of you are watching. Uh, but that being said, let's just go around the room. I would like the question, the magic question to associate names with voices is just how are you enjoying spring training so far? The White Sox are five and three. We played about a week of games. Uh, giving impression of spring training, good, bad. Otherwise, we are starting with, I'm going to go the upper right to block. It's going to be Adrian Serrano, who will not cuss, or maybe he will. Maybe he will go against type. Uh, Adrian, how are you liking spring training? First week of Chicago White Sox baseball 2022. Uh, mostly I've been pretty happy. I just wish we could watch a little more of it. You know, like I, I listened to the radio broadcast today, but just DJ and Len just don't do it for me the same as like seeing the players. Um, and I just don't understand how we just had this big CBA about losing money and then we don't put the games on TV and, and that's where we are. Valid, valid. Uh, okay. Shooting down to, oh, I believe it is. I believe it is Trooper Galactus. Uh, Trooper, you've got a lot of feelings about the White Sox. You got a lot of feelings, probably even about spring training. Give me one of them. Um. Well, you know, I'm not, I wish I could say I had a, a warm and fuzzy with the White Sox, like I do, you know, in my lap here. But um, 
you know, I think what we're seeing, the only misgiving I have out of spring training so far is, I mean, I think we're mostly seeing what we kind of expected to see, but you can kind of see, kind of see the writing on the wall with, oh, goody, the White Sox are going to talk themselves into like Mike Rodolfo as a right fielder and all these other guys who are having good spring trainings. It's great to see, but it's like, you, you know, it's just going to let them talk themselves into, well, see, we didn't need to sign a right fielder, yeah. which at this point, let's be, let's be very frank. With Rick Hahn's track record of signing right fielders, maybe we shouldn't be upset that he hasn't signed one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Trooper, uh, I believe um, just realizing now that uh, SB Nation and Vox refused to pay scale. Uh, was that Cat Bear Pig making the cameo by popular demand? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, welcome to the podcast and goodbye, Cat Bear Pig. And okay, let's welcome in <laughs> to this Carmel episode. Podcast number 95 is Jackie Crestle bringing the good vibes. Jackie, how good are you feeling about this White Sox spring training so far? Um, I think I'm with Adrian. It's it's pretty much as expected. There's nothing really uh, surprising to me. Um, I'm a little concerned, like Trooper, uh, you know, guys that are doing great in spring training, which is great, uh, you know, like Cespedes and uh, Michael Adolfo. Um, I... I don't want to rush those guys. I, you know, I want to do it right because, uh, well, obvious reasons I want to do it right. So I'm a little concerned that we're going to end up with um, one or both of them being thrown in, you know, a situation that's going to be bad for them. But that's okay. Um, yeah, like Adrian, I just want to see more of it because honestly, you know, uh, it's hard for me to visualize from the radio. What you're trying to say, Jackie, is you would like to see Tommy Barbie's uh, big heart broken by not seeing Mike Rodolfo in right field on opening days. That's pretty much what you're saying. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm saying. Okay. Sorry, Tommy, you didn't show up. Show up and defend yourself. Okay. Bottom left corner. I am going to Zach Hayes again for the block. Uh, Zach wrote up a nice piece for us. Oh, I'll link it or not. It's on the site. You can find it. How much work I got to do for you people. Uh, Zach wrote a nice quick piece. On, well, it's something we're going to talk about next. So don't get too deep into it, Zach. Just answer me. How are you feeling about spring training so far? It's nice to have games again and watch players play. Uh, it's hard to feel super strongly either way. There are concerning things like when you see Craig Kimbrell coming out throwing 93-94. Uh, there are encouraging things like seeing Lucas Giolito coming out and throwing 95-96. Uh, it's hard to draw too many conclusions about the roster at this point. Um, so I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm just sitting back and enjoying the ride, as they say, while, <laughs> it, <laughs> while it, it's still enjoyable. After um, all, Zach, it is the theme of fresh. the podcast. It is the theme of the podcast. Um, all right, bringing the numbers. It's uh, Super Sam Reeves uh, f- finishing up our roundtable here. Uh, Sam, give me your vibe, good, bad, otherwise, about spring training so far. Well, since Tommy's not here, we have our opening day right fielder, Mike Rodolfo, already blowing it up. Come on. We started with no right field options. Now we have too many right field exactly. options. Exactly. What are we going to do? We've got Yermin Mercedes ready to play right field for us. Come on now. <laughs> we're we're stacked and loaded in the depth in the bench area, aren't we? No, I mean, I haven't, like I said, you know, I haven't caught too much of it either because it, you know, hasn't been televised. I haven't really had the time. It's not during my work day for the most part. So um, from what I've seen, you know, like you guys are saying, Lucas Gilly looked pretty good. Kimbrough looked awful, which, you know. 
too late now. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll see where we get to when the season starts. Yeah. If we were laying odds, neither of those things would necessarily been surprising. Okay. Going to go right back to Zach Hayes, because as I said, uh, we talked uh, or uh, uh, posted a little piece about uh, settling with a couple players. Oh, who cares? Just a few hundred thousand dollars, whatever. White Sox being real generous there. And with Lucas Giolito, not. Uh, yesterday, that story broke, sort of created some furor where even uh, Luke, uh, Lucas's uh, papa weighed in, uh, basically with a, a very heavy eye roll of what in the hell would a major league team be doing this for? Uh, Zach, uh, can you please uh, put this in perspective? You had a lot of very good uh, imagery in the short piece you wrote, but um, this is f- at risk of making too much of this, this is a foolhardy position to take. And it's not unique for the White Sox to take a foolhardy position, but this is your guy. Um, please just talk to me about this and then we'll open up to everybody else. Yeah, it's just baffling that when you first talk and you're $50,000 apart, you don't instantly just go, oh, okay, fine, here you go. That's <laughs> uh, that's a tiny fraction. I you know, This is the obligatory Jerry Reinsdorf wealth mention, you know, but it's even a tiny fraction of what Julito is asking for. Uh, it, it really doesn't make sense why they would risk doing damage to that relationship. When we just watched what happened with Chris Bryant and the entire young Cubs core, uh, you know, maybe there's a chance that they were just never going to pay him period. Uh, it's, it's just weird to see uh, for a, cl- a so much of this is riding on having a good clubhouse. That's why they brought La Russa in. That's, you know, to <clears throat> that's why they're riding with the guys and running it back. It's just like, it's baffling. It's so baffling. And you're, it doesn't set a good vibe. I'm, I'm almost kind of speechless. It's all, it's in the article, but yeah. uh, there's no, there's no reason for it. There's no reason for it. It's like, there's a million different examples, but well, they, and the example you use in the piece is it's like insisting on getting a car for, I think you said like 18,500. Uh, it's like over a hundred bucks. If you're yeah. a normal person, you know, for someone, if you're making $50,000, it's like, you know, haggling for a hundred bucks over a new car. It really is something that just defies logic. Cause it doesn't really get you anything in the short term because you go to an arbitration hearing and there's a good chance you're going to lose players win a lot of these hearings lately. Um, how that might be wrong. I don't know, but the white Sox have lost the last three. They went to trial with it's a fact. So there's really no, I just don't see any positive short-term or long-term outcome here. Uh, defies any law of rational thinking. Yeah. I mean, this isn't uh, Keith folk with like bad vibes from 20 years ago. So let's not overplay this, but at the same time, it's impossible to look at what's going on here and not think, okay, is there a position the white Sox are taking where, He's gone in a couple of years. Again, let's not extrapolate too much from just this silly, like 50,000 difference, but it would be irresponsible not to acknowledge, wait, is there something, I mean, I already know where Trooper stands on this, but uh, is there something more indicating uh, what the White Sox commitment to really their ace, whether or not Lance Lynn starts first game of the playoff, their ace, uh, is this not a good projection for the team or does that risk making too much of it? You, you want me to answer? Anyone can answer. This is a free form podcast. Because, okay, Brett, first off, Lucas Giolito settled last season for something. I think he was projected to get like almost $5 million in arbitration, and he settled at like 4.1. It was shocking to me. Yeah, it was. 
for for a guy who finished in the top, you know, what was he like fifth in Cy Young award voting? He he settled for a figure that was pretty low, and I was like, oh cool, you know, then things must be pretty good between Lucas and the team, and he, there's no waves being caused. And now to watch them haggle over such a paltry amount for a guy who you know took less money to to really you know just get not not make it contentious last year and for him to come out publicly you know because Rick Hahn just kind of dodged the question he was like oh, I'm not going to talk about figures well Lucas did and he wasn't afraid right. to do it yeah and is is this feels and again you know we're you and me we love our conspiracy theories right <laughs> um, this feels retaliatory because Lucas is the player representative in the uh in the union and this just feels retaliatory it's like oh well you know even though you've rendered excellent service to our team you've been a positive contributor both on and off the field and a lot of the success of our team is based around how good you've been because you're representing the union and because we just we just took more biblical losses we're gonna stick it uh you know, it's like we're talking about less than one percent mm-hmm. of what what he's asked. Like, what he wants is like less than is is basically taking the White Sox offer and adding like point seven five percent to it. It's nothing. And Giolito has uh, stood firm with his, in extension talks. He's not just been you know uh, uh, bent over backwards to say you know uh, yes I'll sign a deal that you know what whatever they say a, a hometown discount or whatnot. There are a number of things again not to go conspiracy, but there are a number of things that would make you say okay what is what is behind this? Especially as Zach pointed out in the piece, they're within fifty and now they're now they're back to two hundred thousand because the White Sox say well okay you didn't take it. So now we're pulling back, you jerk. Uh, Adrian, uh, Jackie, seems like, Sam. Yeah. It seems like that's what irritated Lucas and his father even more was the fact that like, all right, we couldn't get it done. We were close and like, that is what it is and it's business. And then like, everybody knows that when you go to the next step, you go up a little bit, they go down a little bit and you know, you're going to do the same dance again, but then they weren't expecting the socks to go down, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in their offer, you know, to the next step. So like they felt, I think that was even more of a slap in the face. And uh, I know I've mentioned it in the past in a piece, like, yeah, it's very much uh, apparent that Lucas is this, you know, the, the rep for the players association for the white Sox, And he definitely has a little bit of privilege, you know, to take the stance as he does. Like not everybody can make these kind of stands because Lucas comes from, you know, a little bit of money. His, his grandfather's an actor. His mother was an actress, you know, um, that high school that they went to was not cheap as uh, his friend uh, in uh, St. Louis is also taking this, a similar type of stand, you know, in his contract uh, situations being a little more outspoken than you see some of these guys be, but um, it's just a different place they come from and they really fight for, the next guy to get his contract, not so much, you know, right this second. Like Lucas knows that he's going to be fine regardless and he's going to get paid in some way, but yeah. it's just, it's a respect thing. And the fact that you got the guy that opened your season last year and might open your season this year and you're not doing whatever you can just to show him that you're trying to make it work for now, I don't understand it. Meanwhile, Jerry's saying to the Giolitos, uh, you didn't you just see how we negotiated this latest CBA? Uh, we get three, you get one. Then we get four, and you get one. Don't you know how this got, this works? Of course, you're supposed to come to our side. Uh, Jackie, Sam, um, how are you feeling about 
um, our guy. Uh, this, I mean, this is not a deep pitching, and it's not going to get deep in the next couple of years by the time he's free agent. They need Lucas Giolito. Uh, feelings about how things are standing right now. Well, I don't know that I would go as conspiratorial as my cohorts here. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't, I mean, uh, maybe it's for Chip. Yes, what? <laughs> okay. Um, but I think the fact that the White Sox weren't able to kind of um, accept Lucas's offer when it was that close, mm-hmm. um, the first round kind of shows that, you know, they're, I, I think it shows that they're not really interested in looking past 2024 when it comes to Giolito. And so, you know, and just to get in the, you know, to play devil's advocate, I mean, no owner is um, <laughs> going to try to not make money. I mean, they're not altruistic like that by nature. Any billionaire is not going to be, you know, that sacrificial. Oh, we know. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, they're going to try to get what they're, what they can get. Um, it just scares me that it seems to me if they're not looking at Giolito past 2024, that this contention window is a lot shorter than I had thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, so that, that sucks. Um, you should be happy. They, there's even a window at all, Jackie. I know. It's not perpetual. I, you, right, you thought it was going to be the whole decade? And that's the White Sox's MO for the last, I don't, my entire life, you know, just kind of get us just, interested enough to keep coming back to the park but um and it also just sucks that um while i know no owner is gonna you know be that altruistic just but doesn't it seem like they continually trample on any thread of goodwill that they might be able to foster like they make it so hard to be a fan sometimes it's hard to be you know and apologize. And, and we root for a team in a city where the other team is the Cubs, and we're saying that. Holy yeah. Christ. That's what I was going to say, like, we can't, Jerry can't always hope that the Cubs are going to continuously be uh, as heinous as possible at all times to keep giving him cover. Like, there's another, like, we're not talking about Jerry today. They're talking about, you know, the Cubs trying to buy that soccer team and uh, being kicked to the side for being very clearly racist. <laughs> God, and yeah, it's just because of Joe Ricketts. Yeah, it's just because of Joe Ricketts. All right, that's a whole Thanks, different Cubs. podcast. Yeah, really. Yeah, you bust another day. That <laughs> you weren't into conspiracy theory stuff. You <laughs> theory from my last podcast. Just give it time. Just give it time. Okay, Sam, are you going to just pretty much plot out over these next two years? I'm going to just steer myself to as many Lucas Giolito starts as possible because he can't possibly be here after 2024. Are you feeling a little more hope than that? I mean, I have very minimal hope. I mean, this organization hasn't really been great to their great players. So, you know, their and their contention window is what I like to call a prison window. Yeah, you know, like they got one in a prison cell, but it doesn't open. It's there, but it doesn't open. You know, it's, it's sad to say, but they haven't shown anything, any faith in anything to really make it a serious contention. I mean, they're banking on everybody to just grow, and then, you know, they have somebody in their system that's grown, and then they're not going to pay. There's a headline. There's a screaming headline for your pocket schedule. The window is a prison window. Thank you, Sam. Uh, Okay, hey, listen. (laughs) Boy, we sure did squander that five and three start and all the goodwill uh, engendered uh, as such. Let's take a break. Uh, Speaking of making billionaires more billions, let's take a break and let SB Nation sell you something. We'll be back in a minute. Please come back. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, White Sox fans. Brett Valentini here hosting the Caramel Apple. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, well, let's, not, let's, not, let's not dwell on that too much. Podcast number 95. Can you believe it? We're here. We lived to see baseball being played. We got a week under our belt, eight games. White Sox won five of them, and we are all, to a man and woman, happy about it. Okay, Zach, I think I'm going to kick this to you to start off again because we've had some discussions on the side on this. Uh, free agency, uh, White Sox, we've talked about this in podcasts. We do not have to go through the details of the ludicrous, uh, preposterous, weird balance of this roster right now where they're putting a quarter-plus of their money toward a bullpen without even pushing Greg Kimbrell out, a guy who's probably not going to get pushed out, certainly not in the James Fox, somebody's going to take all the money stance. Uh, but let's also extend this to the fact that there's not anybody putting the front office feet to the flame. We've talked a little about Zach about, and you acknowledged it a little bit in your piece today uh, with uh, Senator on Giolito. But the fact that there's a lot of yes men in those very exclusive Zooms, that does not help this at all. When there's just a blog like Southside Sox sort of yelling uh, uh, in the background, um, that doesn't get a lot done in terms of holding this front office to the, to the fire. Um, most people gave the front office maybe a D um, so far in the off season, it's looking like nothing's going to change. Nothing is going to happen the rest of this off season. It seems pretty safe, even though Michael Conforto is still out there. I'm not sure how desirable he is anymore, but uh, Zach, your feelings about um, this off season and the fact that there's really no necessary accountability at some point, Jerry Reinsdorf is just printing money with white Sox and white Sox fans. Yeah. Um, another thing that is baffling to me is why there's nobody with the press pass who's really making the front office answer for their decision-making. I mean, the, we know that the, this organization is great at deflection when you ask them things. Uh, that's why the old, you know, Rickon press conferencing is kind of a joke. Oh, he's going to say something vague and, you know, make kind of promises without anything really like concrete. And there's just never any follow-up to it is the weird part. Uh, you would think that there would be someone who would want to say, so can you explain the logic bet- behind not picking up Carlos or not offering Carlos Rodon the qualifying offer while picking up Craig Kimbrell's contract? That's a simple question. Everybody yeah. in the fan base is wondering about this. Like we want to know think, these things. 
and nobody is asking because nobody wants to put any heat on them. And it doesn't, it really doesn't make much sense to me when you look at the way Han was allowed to handle questioning about the Giolito situation. Uh, it was, it was like we just said, uh, you know, Giolito had to talk about it himself. He, his dad had to get involved on Twitter. It, you know, you, Rick Han is allowed to say, yeah, we don't want to talk about the negotiations while they're on the details, of the negotiations while they're ongoing. That's perfectly fine. But there's nothing preventing a reporter from asking about the optics of it, of saying, well, you know, what do you this the fans are really wondering why this seems to be, you know, even even at most, this seems to be a fairly insignificant amount of money, especially relative to all of these other things. You can name five different things. So what would you say to fans about that? Like, these are real questions that I think should be should be asked. And I, I suspect that the front office wouldn't try to get away with so much uh, as much as they do if they were used to actually being kind of directly questioned about it. And for whatever reason, they're not. That's the worry, Zach, with this, with this beat, with this press, that there's even a very polite way to ask, but still demand an answer. Um, and that's not even being done. That's, that starts to get actually dangerous because then it is just there's there's freedom that this team can get away with even more. Uh, rest of you, uh, feelings about uh, uh, not just uh, not just necessarily how the offseason has gone, but the fact that there's really there's nobody pressing uh, for answers aside from you know fans on you know Twitter complaining or, or making you know making jokes or or like us just sort of grumbling you know on a podcast. Rick Hahn has proven many times over the last couple of weeks in his comments about Craig Kimbrell that he can talk about as much as he wants to. Like he's been very open and honest about Craig Kimbrell and the fact that they're trying to trade him. Like he's not worried about how that's affecting the team, right? Like they could talk about whatever they want to. They just get a pass to not have to if, unless they're pressed and like, they just don't have anybody. Uh, They've perfectly curated the situation where everybody in there is like, just happy to be there and eating the hot dogs and uh, you know, on, could it could this actually I mean when it comes to Rick Hahn, I, I talked to you last time we spoke about how Rick Hahn's problem is messaging and he continues to do it like he's he's in a position now where as far as he's concerned the fact that the last few Sox fests have been canceled <laughs> works out perfectly for him because he doesn't have to face the fans you know when they initiated the rebuild and Han was out there in front of fans and it's like well hey cool there's yeah, there's people upset you didn't win, but there's excitement that, hey, we're taking a bold new direction, and this is where we're going to go, and these are the heights we're going to get to, and you set all these fan expectations. We're going to be signing nine-figure deals. We're going to be bringing in all sorts of talent. We've got this excellent farm system, and now that he actually has to answer for that, the only people he's answering, and they've made it so that the only people he answers to are sycophant reporters who are are more concerned about maintaining their press access than actually asking him a difficult question about the the utterly indefensible moves he's making in a make or break year. And, you know, and we live in a world where what Ken Rosenthal got, got fired from MLB for, for making the most mild criticism of Rob Manfred. And we've seen Ken since then be like, Oh, you oh, thought yeah. that <laughs> exactly. But I got to say it now. Like, <laughs> with all those guys you know that if they didn't have to like kiss their butts Mm -hmm. of the chicago white Sox to get just the most basic press access if if they were able to write whatever they wanted without 
fear of repercussions from the team, they would be excoriating the offseason that Rick Hahn has had. Because there's no – every move can be defended. And that's the other part is that if you ask him a question about signing Joe Kelly, you can sort of defend yeah. signing Joe Kelly. If you ask him a question about picking up Kimbrell's option, to an extent, even that can be defended. Even not extending Carlos Rodon, a qualifying officer – offer in a certain context can make sense but when you look at every one of these things together they become less and less defensible when you when you put them all together it's like okay now that doesn't make sense and now this doesn't make sense and it's just this cascade effect of well what started out as an okay decision is now bad and it now nothing makes sense yeah and this is an exclusive to a media dynamic i mean this we all encounter this in our lives it's just simply sometimes just asking the question you don't know what you're going to hear but you ask the question and somebody is forced to answer uh, in the waning time that that we had zoom access when we were with sports illustrated i guess is when it still was just asking the question of Rakan, what changed why are you actually going outside the organization to look for mandra as it turns out they weren't but at the time he thought he was uh and there was a pause there that just was like he did not even expect as innocuous a question as that. And that's a nothing question, but it forces you to answer. The wheels start burning and maybe you end up getting something that you didn't expect to get. Maybe the person says something they didn't expect to say. It doesn't, it's not even necessarily gotcha, but you get a little insight, which ends up uh, it's, ben- it's benefiting not, the fan base. It's not hard, Brett. You can just look at what Rick Hahn said, what, four months ago, like back in November, when the off season kicks off and there's all sorts of expectations on, on this season, like this is it, we're here. There's no more rebuild. We're there. And what does Rick Hunt say his off season needs are for this team? It's exactly what everybody knows they are. We need a right fielder. We need probably another good starting pitcher to replace Carlos Rosan if he doesn't come back. And we need a second baseman. Like, and, and maybe a backup. Like these are the things Rick Hunt said. And none of those things happened. Mm-hmm. Instead, we get a cascade of relievers and, <laughs> and oh, yeah, and, and we feel comfortable everywhere else that, we, that I said a few months ago were, were areas of obvious need. So, you know, it's not like we're asking gotcha questions. This is, and, and Rick Hahn loves to bitch and moan like a little fucking baby. About how, oh, the fans are just turning, just like to turn back my words. <laughs> it's, like, it's not like we're taking you out of context, you shithead. All right? It's not like we're turning back a way back when clock here. Like, you literally just fucking said it. And you can't even, you can't even stick to it. So you know what? You want to, you want to just sit there and you're, you're like, you're like Cat Bear Pig. You want to just sit there and lick your butthole all like you just fucking accomplished something. Cooper's having his Reggie's moment. Hey, Rick Hahn, come back. I'm, 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 you know, shout out to Ann Ojito. You know, I'm, I'm channeling some of your energy, but fuck Rick Hahn right now. He can kiss my ass because he doesn't even do the thing he says he's going to do and expects like a few months later, just a few months later, like we were all fucking rubes and we all forgot. Crystal O'Keefe. Ben will literally go on a podcast. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's uh, let's wind this up with a transition, and we're gonna we're gonna finish up with Trooper because he wrote the article. But I want to know how everybody's feeling about, and I have a sense at least of where Zach feels on this. Uh, the competition, uh, Minnesota took obviously a, a step forward with getting Carlos Correa, and you have whatever opinions about getting Carlos Carlos Correa on your team, but certainly improves them. Uh, whether or not he has signaling from the uh, dugout um, or in his earpiece or whatever, uh, but they have um, 
close the gap with the White Sox. Uh, they're not there yet, I don't think. But how is everyone feeling about the competition in the Central? It's a foregone conclusion. The White Sox, for the first time uh, in their history, are going to win back-to-back division titles and go to the playoffs three times in a row. I'm going to start with Sam Reeves and get an idea about how you're feeling in terms of how easy this 2022 is going to be. Where, where, you're, where you're standing right now, what you know right now, how are you feeling about uh, competition for 2022? Health is going to be the key. Um, if things like last year happen, it's not going to be that easy. It is not going to be that easy. Yeah. Um, I'm actually not low on the Twins. I think they've actually did enough to put a little heat on the White Sox. You know, and the Tigers are going to be up and coming pretty quick here too. So I think you know the Guardians will take a step back and maybe you know a little bit. And then the Royals, you know, depends on if Bobby Witt decides to tear up the league in his yeah. you know rookie year here. It's not going to be a wide open division like it was last year. Not in my opinion, anyway. Uh, good vibes. You got some good vibes about 2022 and, uh, and, and doubling up on a division title, or you think it's going to be, um, we know it's going to be harder. It's going to be much harder, or do we still think it's, it's going to be a, a relatively easy path for the White Sox? Well, I, I do feel like we are the favorites here for the division, but every other divisional uh, team has improved themselves this off season. So it, it's not going to be as easy as last year. It's not, um, I mean, I see the, those top four teams. I'm so sorry, Kansas city. You're not one of the top four teams. Um, you know, maybe by the end of the season, not being like all four of them, not being separated by very many games. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think we got it. It will be harder which is uh, just great because White Sox Twitter can, is going to handle that fantastically. <laughs> um, but I think we got it. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, how are you seeing uh, uh, what's laid out in front of us, knowing that the division is going to get tighter? Winning by six games really isn't that much different than winning by 10. In fact, it isn't different at all. The way the playoffs are set up now, it may uh, have ramifications. But in terms of just clinching, it doesn't really matter. But you're looking at it as, as easy as it was in uh, 2021? I mean, the fact that the Cleveland Guardians have spent $900,000 in free agent and they're probably still going to like be around because their pitching is so good. Like, um, I don't think anybody is as good as the White Sox. They have nothing to worry about this year, which is why I'm even more infuriated that they didn't just go all in on this year. And, uh, you know, if you're going to have a year where you go over the, you know, the tax, this is the year to do it, especially if you're planning on possibly not signing Lucas Giolito. Um, and hoping stuff comes behind him. Like every year you give a team like Detroit and Casey Mize and, you know, all those guys to develop, like they're going to be that much better. Like um, even, I don't think Kansas city is going to be just a team you walk over, you know, like I think they have some really good young players that are going to develop quickly. And like you saw it with the Sox young players, like a, a year makes a huge difference. And um, this division this year may still look like a joke, but next year already, like, it could be a completely different situation. Yeah. Zach, you were issuing warnings about the Minnesota twins before they signed Carlos Correa. I'm guessing you are seeing twins as, as perhaps nearly white Sox equal at this point. I don't know if I would say that go that far. I I think the white Sox are the only team in the division that could have a lot of things go wrong and still win the division. Mm -hmm. You can construct scenarios in which the tigers, young pitchers all break out at once and win the division or where the twins, you know, Byron Buxton stays healthy. Correa stays healthy. Sano remembers how to make contact and, 
some pitching things go right and maybe they make a run at it. Uh, a lot of the other teams in the division need to have everything go right. That being said, it, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy or not frustrating or uh, that it's going to be in any way indicative of how far they're going to go in October. Um, I think if there's anything that's going to take people by surprise, the twins pitching is not as bad as it looks. And it wouldn't surprise me if there is a scenario in late in the season where they're still tracking towards like 91, 92, 93, 94 wins. And maybe the twins, you know, they're not a, maybe they're not the 95 win team they were two years ago, but you know, could be closer. It could, I could see it being closer than six games this year. And that's not going to be comfortable if that comes to fruition. Trooper, we've read your, your piece. We know where you stand, but uh, you've got about a minute. Um, you're still feeling, <laughs> despite 10 minutes ago, you're still feeling um, you know, optimistic about the White Sox chance and they are still the clear division favorite. Yeah, I mean, the, it's, it's just astonishing to me that the, the White Sox are the, the team that they didn't need to do mu- any, much of anything to still be the favorites, but every other team in the division, except mm-hmm. maybe Indians, did more to improve their teams and shore up weaknesses than the White Sox this offseason. And I I think the Twins are the most immediate threat to them in the division, uh, just just based on the, the known quantities they have and their ability to go out and still make improvements to their team. They have a pretty strong farm system to deal from, and they're showing a yeah. relative willingness to spend some money on their team. Uh but I like I think people really can't sleep on the Detroit Tigers. And I, I liken the Tigers right now to what the White Sox were in 2019. If the White Sox had actually spent money in 2019, like they've got a roster that is absolutely loaded with a lot of high upside talent, talent that's just now starting to really establish itself in the league. They got an outstanding set of young pitchers. They've got a few position players that are that are excellent. They're at that point where uh, Miguel Cabrera's contract is is kind of starting to get phased out, and I think this I can't see them if if they're really going for it, they might just cut Miguel Cabrera out entirely because at yeah. this point he or then he helps them really. Unfortunately, for uh, you know because the guys had a great career, and uh, it, they're the team that like if if their prospects all break out like they've already done something to fortify those prospects. It's not like the White Sox in 2019 where they had a lot of breakouts from their young talent like Yohan Mankata and Lucas Giolito, and they didn't do anything with it. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it, was on, it was just like a total – you just wasted these nice cheap years of all these elite towns because you put nothing around them. Now, yeah. would that White Sox team have like won 90-plus games and gone to the playoffs? Not necessarily, but they would have been springboarding into 2020 – from like probably an, uh, an above 500 season. And I see that for the Tigers this year. Last season, the Tigers had a much worse team. And every single month, except I think I think uh, after April, they were, an, they were like 3,500. They just had an awful eight. Yeah. That was the entire rest of the way. So you're, you're looking at some stiff competition. If they're returning that same level of competitiveness, in addition to actually adding... You know, Eduardo Rodriguez and Javier Baez to that case. Like, they've added top-end talent, or at least, you know, relatively top-end talent. Eduardo Rodriguez might not be, you know, everybody...